over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show on the Blackhawks radio network. Here's Joe Brand. Well, if we're comparing the last two games for the Blackhawks, I think tonight was a stronger effort, a stronger fight, and definitely a stronger finish. But unfortunately, another loss, and the Hawks now fall four straight games. They lose to the Buffalo Sabres tonight, 3-2 to two at the United Center, and another tough one to swallow as the Hawks come up just a little bit short. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 9.30 tonight here from the United Center. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. You can call, you could text, but right now you can listen to Troy Murray because that's who we're heading on up to bring in to talk about this one. He was on the call with John Weideman tonight. And Troy, you got to like the Hawks' effort today. Unfortunately, that's what we've been talking a lot about these recent games. A, a team coming in in Buffalo where you like the Hawks' chances. They had a pretty good start despite being behind one nothing. They really turned things up in the second period and then came inches away from tying things up in the third. But unfortunately, it's, it's the same story, but uh, a stronger push by the Hawks tonight despite the loss. Yeah, you know, and the, the hard part of this game was they, they kept they kept chasing the score. They just, you know, they never got in a position where they could be in the lead, where they could, you know, force Buffalo to make some plays. And I, I think for the Blackhawks, you like their effort. I, I thought their execution was better. It wasn't as sloppy as it was in the game last night or yesterday afternoon against Nashville. So they cleaned up that area. Buffalo made some nice plays to score some of their goals. Power play goal that they got. Nice plays. Uh, Darlene on the first goal, that needs to be defended a little better. That was a structural problem where they just didn't figure out who was supposed to be where. And, and really, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're in the first period and things are pretty even, but you give up that opportunity and now you're chasing the game. So that mentality starts to come in there. You know, maybe it's like, oh, here we go again type of type of attitude. But you just don't want to be chasing the games. The starts the Blackhawks have had have been fairly well. They started slow in the first period. They finished it off better. And then after that, it was a really competitive, uh, you know, hockey game. And Buffalo, give them credit, they found a, a way to score the one extra goal. Quick deficit started on the turnover that happened from the Blackhawks' top line with Reichel joining Bedard and Kurashev. But like you mentioned, there's some things that you might lose by teaming up those guys. But some of that offense that we saw, some of the, the rhythm, the, the synchronization going on with them passing the puck, what do you think about them on the power play? Does that make sense in your eyes, putting Reichel, Kurashev, and Bedard all on the power play? I think Kurashev's the only one that's not on the top power play unit, but with how well they move the puck, does that make sense to you? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to get into you know what, what the, the, the coaching philosophy is on that. Um, you know, sometimes you do throw a line out there on the power play. They're trying certain things. They're looking for some different looks uh, on the bumper play with Corey Perry as a right-handed to Lucas Reichel, who's a left-hander. They're, they're just they're looking at some different options. Uh, Taylor Hall on one side, Bedard on the other. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, there could be an opportunity just the way that Kurashev is playing and the way that he's playing with so much confidence that you move him up to the the uh, top power play position. I don't know who comes off there. Corey Perry's probably going to be a guy that sticks around because he's the front of the net guy. 
Um, but Kurashev is just playing with so much confidence right now that you, you like it. And on the flip side, I think, you know, Connor Bedard, he did pick up an assist on the play. It was a shot that he took, and Kurashev was there for the rebound. I think his confidence is, is a little bit low right now, and I think he's finding out how tough it is going to be playing in the NHL. There wasn't a lot of time and space for him in this game tonight. They're closing him off. They're not allowing him to gain the blue line. Um, so he's, he's, he's got to learn how to figure things out. And I thought Lucas Reichel playing the wing when he had the puck, they, they did some nice things. He was a big factor in the Kurashev goal where he was able to win the battle along the boards, chip it out in the neutral zone, and that sent uh, Bedard and Kurashev off uh, down the ice. So, you know, some good things happened. Did he put them all in the same power play unit? I don't know. They'll have to figure that out. Well, that's a good point about Connor Bedard. Two shots on goal tonight, so that makes it four shots on goal in his last three games. Luke Richardson said before the game that that's a combination of an 18-year-old getting fixated in the NHL for the first time and also teams kind of turning it up after he had the big weekend against Florida last week. Um, but, yeah, the story today was Philip Kurashev and what he's been able to do. It's got to be great for the Hawks, not only the coaching staff, but for the front office to see this too. I feel like Kurashev's a guy that they've been patient with, but also just still continue to hold a lot of value in. And this is the type of play you want to see from him. And it's it's just really good to see him flourishing at this level. You know, if you remember when uh, Dominic Kubelik came in, uh, Pius uh, Suter came in, Kurashev came in. Those guys all joined the team at the same time, basically. And, you know, they had to make some decisions who was going to go, who was going to stay. And the guy that, they, as you mentioned, Joe, the guy that they've always stuck with is Kurashev. And I think right now they're getting rewarded with how well Kurashev has been playing this season. There was a battle in the offseason. He, he, uh, uh, he went to arbitration, took the team to arbitration, or the team took him, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and and when you go to arbitration, you, you totally understand understand what both sides are trying to do. The player is trying to get the most value out of his contract, and the team is, is trying to get the best value that they can for you know the team and the salary cap situation. They come to a, a, a two-year deal, so Kurosev is locked up for a couple more years, but if he keeps playing like this, there's, it's a no-brainer to, to continue to sign him here. Only 24 years of age. Some players take a little bit longer to mature. And if you look at, you know, Connor Bedard is 18. He's got six more years to get to where Kurashev is. And this is wow. Kurashev's kind of breakout moment of his NHL career. So it does take time. Connor Bedard with, you know, nine goals and four, or, uh, 15 points now. Uh, playing extremely well as far as, you know, maybe expectations are going. But he, he's going to learn. He's going to learn how tough it is to be playing up against these best defensemen, the best players in the league, whether they're checking them or they're playing head-to-head against the best players. He's going to have to learn how, how tough it is to play in this league. And he's a guy that uh, accepts that challenge. And he, I know he's not happy with the way that things have gone here. He wants to win. He wants to be a part of the, the goal scoring and the offensive equation. But it's been a struggle for him as of late. I don't mean to keep going back and forth on these topics, but uh, originally when I brought up the power play, it kind of left out that you had thought that the most recent power play in that third period looked better. It just looked like the entry was was better, the uh, the structure, and there there was some um, there was some good passes. There there was still some opportunities for the Hawks to shoot where they may have held back, but. Overall, it looked like there was a, some strides to improvements in the power play. Hopefully that's a trend that continues to move upward because I just feel like the outcomes of these games could be so much different if, if the special teams are flipped. 
Yeah, special teams have been hurting the Blackhawks. You know, you look at moments in a game where you can turn the table, and the Blackhawks had that opportunity with the power play. They didn't get it done. But I did like the movement on the last power play. The entry was good. The timing between Seth Jones and the little drop pass was the way it should be. A lot of times you're seeing Bedard probably a little bit too far back, Taylor Hall in there as well. Um, you want to have that a little bit closer because then everybody's just standing still. And if Seth Jones takes it himself, which he's done, all of a sudden it's three against three, and you've got guys standing at the blue line there. So I I like the entry. They came in with speed. They got it into the offensive zone. They controlled it. They moved it around. Not much hesitation. I think that they tried some different looks. Give Buffalo credit on the on the penalty kill. They did a nice job, and they've been struggling uh, in that area as as well on the penalty kill. But they were good tonight. And the Blackhawks actually on the second power play unit basically scored a power play goal. Yeah. Um, but it was one second after the player came out of the box, who he was not involved in the play defensively. So, you know, they they that was the second power play unit that that had that that goal. Uh, that was by Radish, and that was a nice play by Kurashev as well. So just the way that Kurashev has been playing, I think maybe he, as you said, might warrant him some, some looks on that first power play unit, just playing with a lot of confidence. And you're seeing that there's not a lot of guys playing with confidence right now with the Blackhawks offensively. Yeah, yeah. Well, despite a rough ending to this one, still a fun night at the United Center. Uh, an uplifting night, Hockey Fights Cancer Night, is is always a significant event. The Hawks do such a good job of putting on any type of show here at the United Center, but especially these ones, and so many special, important people being recognized and honored, and rightly so, and, and so many uplifting stories of people going through remission, and it's just, it, it, it really is encouraging to see how the hockey community gets together overall and uh, just all joins force against the, the terrible disease that cancer is. It's It's a good feel good night to be at the arena definitely yes and and you, and you know what what it does it, it puts um the game of hockey in perspective yeah um you know there's a lot more important things in life and uh you know your health is one of them so you know people walk out of here disappointed but as you said uh, an inspiring night for a lot of people blackhawks did a phenomenal job in in uh, having so many people involved in uh, the the uh I wouldn't call it celebration. The, the you know the the hockey fights cancer um, night that they had. I, I mean, I, I'm losing my words here because I'm getting no. But emotional. I hear what but, you're uh, saying. Um, you know, I, I I did hold up uh, your sign. I I know that uh, you had me. I fight for Troy Murray and Marty Brogan. So um, I had that up when they were asking everybody to uh, throw it up, along with uh, mine with uh, Mary Higgins, Brian Higgins, uh, director of uh, team. Security. Uh, his wife is going through a tough battle. So there's everybody affected uh, by this uh, wicked disease. And, uh, you know, tonight was a, a night to, to celebrate the, the hope and, and the, uh, the opportunity moving forward to try and find a cure uh, for cancer. Absolutely. And yeah, Troy, I mean, I, I, I said it earlier, but truly, we, we are very lucky to have your constant positivity, no matter what you're going through on a daily basis. You come in as Troy Murray, and we're, we're very, very lucky to have that on a daily basis. And thank you for holding up my sign. And uh, thank you for forgiving me for accidentally taking your game notes down to this room. I, I, I know uh, <laughs> I, I know I they really like, threw a monkey wrench in your plans. The, where tonight. the heck are my game notes? I know that they were here somewhere. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm digging through my backpack. I'm like, why do I have two game Oh, I took Troy's game notes. Great. I'm like, well, he won't notice. Why would he notice? He doesn't need them. And then literally the next minute I get a text from you. 
<laughs> oh, way to go, Joe. Well, do you want me to mail them back to you? Do you? No, no, no? I'll be, I'll be fine. I, I'll get through it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, Troy. Well, great stuff as always. Thank you for the insights, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of days and talk to you in a couple of days. Yeah, well... Thank you very much. I, I do appreciate all the comments. I uh, love working with you and John and everybody, uh, Nick here, and our, our big uh, buddy Paul Zerang, who was doing the Bears game. Um, was, uh, I got a ton of text messages tonight, so it was uh, uh, really nice, uh, you know, a uh, special moment in some tough times. Good. Well, rightly so. Deserved, Mr. Troy Murray. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. We will talk to you on Wednesday. All righty. That all right. sounds good. Yep. See you. That is Troy Murray. He and John Wideman with the call tonight on Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And unfortunately, a Blackhawks loss as they fall to the Buffalo Sabres 3-2. to This is the Blackhawks postgame show on 720 WGN Radio. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. If you were at the game, if you were just tuned into the game, if you've got some thoughts, if you've got some comments, please don't be shy. We take pretty much all and everyone. Just uh, understand we've got some FCC regulations, but um, still think a lot of positives to pull from this one, despite the loss. Um, Unfortunately, we're kind of back in this mode now where we can dissect these games and we can pull out the positives, but yet it all falls down on a loss. It's, It's one of the frustrating things where if that puck goes in in the final seconds and they force overtime, it just kind of totally changed the mindset, the overall mindset of this game. And that's just what it is in sports. It can come down to a game of inches, but uh, so much relies on the win or the loss. And tonight, it I think it really changes the outlook of this game, but it shouldn't because Philip Kurashev did a lot of great things tonight. I think we got... I think it's kind of therapeutic to see Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard, and Philip Kurashev on the same line because it's not perfect, but we got to see what it looked like. We don't have to dream about it anymore. And you can see why maybe Luke Richardson didn't do it right away, why it might work in some circumstances and might not work in some other circumstances, but that's just sports and that's just hockey and that's line configuration. As Troy was talking throughout the broadcast, how difficult and mind-bending it can be because it's it's just so intricate and Luke Richardson is trying to figure out the right way and the best way to utilize all these guys and things can get difficult when you've got a young team and a team that's still on the rebuild. Um, again, we'll take your calls, we'll take your text 312-981-7200, but right now we got to get to a break. Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres. We'll continue to comment on this one. A 3-2 final here from the United Center. You're listening to the Blackhawks postgame show. 720 WGN. Bedard into the Sabres zone. Firing a shot. Save. Rebound. Score! Philip Kershev. His ninth point in his last nine games. Picked up a rebound off the Bedard shot. He had Lukanen out of position and beat him with a hard snapshot. We're tied at two. Philip Kurashev remains hot and capitalizes on continuing to be on that top line, a top line which featured tonight Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard, and Philip Kurashev. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 9.30 tonight. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. we got to give Philip Kurashev our player with the most heart tonight which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program, top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. Kurashev tonight finished with a plus two, 
one goal, one assist, two shots on goal, two shots blocked. He had a takeaway as well. He had a great defensive play in the second period as well, breaking up a rush by the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, I said it earlier, as his second goal of the night, the last Hawks goal tonight, just had the biggest smile on his face. Bigger smile than I've ever seen him have. And he is such a soft-spoken guy, and I know the language barrier is a big part of that. Luke Richardson has said in the past that he's felt that Kurashev has been feeling more comfortable, more outgoing, more talkative in, uh, in the locker room, which is a good sign. I, I talked to him earlier this week during one of the practices, and he said how Nick Felino being on that same line as him kind of helps him because it relieves that pressure of being one of the more outgoing ones, one of the more talkative people, because Felino does such a good job of it. But um, the more he plays like he did tonight, I think that's just going to come naturally, and it, it can go hand-in-hand, hand and it can benefit the player and the team both ways. Again, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. John is in Oswego and thinks the Hawks aren't establishing themselves at the start of the game. Go ahead, John. Yes, hi, Joel. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just think it, at the start of the game, it's not just getting the opening goal. That's great to get, of course, but just in a sense, especially when they're on home ice, uh, to get a four-check going, to finish your checks in the offensive zone can really get the team going in the right direction and playing with that consistency uh, that they need. And um, I also think with Luke Richardson, I know last season he was just trying to hold this team together with what they had to get through. And now with more talent on this team, with, of course, Bedard and uh, some of the veterans they brought in, he needs to be more engaged in, in getting this team playing the right way. And defensively, they need to, to shore some things up. And in goal, I think Morazic has been the best goalie for the Blackhawks this season. If they could stick with him for, say, some consecutive games, three or four games, see what they can do and just try to build from there. I know they're not a, a Stanley Cup championship team at this point, but they've got – some good players, and I think they can be doing much better than they are. So those are my comments. Thank you. Hey, hey, a lot of points. Uh, Some really good ones there, John. Really quick, because I want to ask you about your goaltending theory. Um, Because I feel like the Hawks are are rotating so much because they kind of owe it to see what they have in Arvid Sutterbloom. So I understand why you want to see more of Peter Mrazek, but but can you understand from the Hawks' point of view of why they might want to see what they have in fact, with Sutterbloom before they just go ahead and give up on him? Uh, yes, I'm not saying to give up on him. I'm just saying to maybe to, to, to put Morazic more in that starting role. We're now almost to Thanksgiving, so the season started about the second week in October, and I think Sutterbloom has had sufficient playing time. I've noticed he's gotten off to starts that aren't that well, and then he'll recover, um, but yet it's costed the team, and I think he's still in a stage where he's not quite there like Morazic is as an established veteran of the NHL. And I just would like to see Morazic get more of the playing time and he could possibly shepherd uh, Soderbloom along. I know the Blackhawks have an investment there they want to see, but I think going back and forth at vacillating, I don't okay. think it's, it's as good right now. All right. All right, John, thank you very much. Great call. Don't be a stranger next time, okay? Great. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Okay, go Blackhawks. All right, thank you. That is John from Oswego. Makes a lot of points there. Uh, I'll try to go one by one. Again, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. You can call, you can text. 
Uh, let's start with the Blackhawks' starts. Um, today was a better start, but still I don't think where the Hawks wanted to be. They finished even in shots on goal, 8-8. to They were trailing, though, one nothing, which obviously matters most. But I, I also think that the goal by Darlene started on a turnover in the Hawks zone from this new top line, and it, it was really exactly what Troy was talking about in the pregame that is – Fancy and offensively skilled and exciting a top line can be with Reichel, Bedard, and Kurashev. You are missing out a little bit on maybe some of the battles down in the corner or the guy that goes and gets the puck. That's Nick Foligno. That's Taylor Hall. That's not quite always going to be there with Reichel, Bedard, and Kurashev, at least at this moment. That burned the Hawks almost immediately. That's that's what gave Buffalo a one nothing lead. Other than that... You saw some a, a lot of good positives, a lot of opportunities for the Hawks to gain momentum in that first period. There was another situation where Taylor Hall and Tyler Johnson are coming down on the two-on-one, and they're playing catch with the puck once again, not being as assertive as they probably should be to shoot it. Um, that's just another one of the frustrating things that keeps coming from this team about shooting the puck a little bit more than they are. I think they're improving in that regard. I don't think it's just a the main criticism of the team. I think they're getting better at it, but that's still an example that that issue is still kind of lingering. And then once the Reichel, Bedard, Kurashev line started to find their chemistry, started to move the puck around, you really got to see how offensively skilled it could be. But as Troy mentioned, this is his breakdown, a couple of things there. There weren't too many shots happening. It was just kind of a lot of passing because these guys are really good at getting away from some of the defense and uh, creating an open lane, but not an open lane to shoot. And then when the defense had the puck, they were a little reluctant to shoot because no one was there for the net front presence. Everyone was just kind of looking to get open. I think there's definitely room for that line to work. There's definitely a world where that can achieve success. But those were some of the holdups, and that's all happening in the first period that's all where this team is starting, or rather, that's where that line is is trying to gel together right out of the get-go. John's right. If this team gets off to a good start, then you're pretty much playing a a full 60 minutes. I think the Hawks played a great game for the majority of it tonight. So if you get that good start, you're talking about three very solid periods. Uh, First time I've heard criticism that stressful on Luke Richardson, and I'm not here to denounce it, Um, But he does kind of bring up a point of what I've been getting at, and it's just the makeup of these two teams from last year to this year is just so different. Last year, you had Taves, you had Kane, but they're established veterans. They've won cups. You know what you get in them. And then everyone else is just kind of figuring out where they are on this team. And then Taves and Kane are kind of gone for the majority of the end of last season. I know Taves came back, but still, the the last game that Taves and Kane played together was January 28th. So the whole rest of the season, you're without at least one of them. So it's kind of a us-against-the-world mentality. Maybe not that extreme, but that kind of same aspect. So it's it might be a little easier to to rally a team to all pull from the same rope in that instance because everyone's kind of in a new environment. You either got somebody who's on this team for the first time this year or is on this team for the first time without Taves and Kane. Now, this year, you've got a bunch of different cast of characters. You've got the young talent in multiple guys, not just Bedard, not just Gorchinski. There's Isaac Phillips. There's Wyatt Kaiser. 
Um, even Kurashev still on the younger side. Lucas Reichel still on the younger side. Then you got the veterans who are coming in here for the first time. You've got the veterans that have been here. It's just a very colorful team, meaning there's so many different roles and responsibilities. So to put it on the coach, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say your opinion's wrong. It's the coach's job to get everything going, but I don't think it's it's a lack of engagement by Richardson that's not getting all the bulbs lit at the same time. I think it's just a tough thing to do, and it's definitely a challenge, and um, it's it's a hard thing to get going fully. I do want to bring up a point that the guys over at CHGO were talking about, and it, it was about a big difference from last year's team to this year's team. And last year's team, you had a lot of fast guys, and I think Jay Zawoski was the one who brought it up, saying that speed can just easily disguise itself as effort. And first guy to the puck, because there's a lot of fast guys, Athanasiu, Max Domi. I know Athanasiu's still on the team, but he hasn't played in a while lately. Now you got guys, Taylor Hall, Ryan Donato, Corey Perry, Nick Felino, all great teammates, all great pieces with a ton of different roles and a ton of different values. Not the fastest guys out there, at least at their peak of speed in their NHL careers. So that's maybe a spot where this team takes a toll. And it, it, it is a little bit more difficult to get everything in motion at the same time. So I thought that was an interesting point brought up by the CHGO guys. Um, and I, I did want to give them credit. The goaltending situation, I, I appreciate John understanding where the Hawks think Arvid Soderblom I, I just don't see the reason to jump to, all right, let's use Peter Mrazek 70% of the time and Sutterbloom 30% of the time. I, I don't think that's more valuable in Arvid Sutterbloom's case right now. Sutterbloom's still a guy that the Hawks have a lot of, hold a lot of value in. And, and let's face it, he's having a different year than last season. That talent is there. That ability is there. It's just not quite showing lately this season. And... I feel like you got to keep throwing him out there in order for that to pick up. I, we mentioned this in the last show. I'm not sure sending him down to the AHL is the solution. I don't know if that's going to flip the switch on him and turn things around. And the other thing is, if Peter Mrazek is going to be trade bait this year, if he continues to do what he does and he happens to get moved, then you're going to start relying on Arvid Sutterbloom a lot. So wouldn't you like him to have that? regularity of consistency right now? Don't you want him to have that experience of going out there every other game and sometimes in back-to-back games? I would think you would, but there's still a lot to the season to go. We'll see how Arterbloom, or Harvard Sutterbloom does. Boy, that's a fun nickname uh, as this season continues. Again, call or text 312-981-7200. Uh, from the 708 area code, long-time listener, first-time texter. The Blackhawks are minus 7 in goal differential in the third period all season. Can't win games that way. Yeah, that's a great stat. I know their stats in the second period isn't too great either. I want to say now it's, let's see, 13-8 to they're being outscored. They actually won in that category tonight, 2-1. to But listen, if it's the second period and the third period, then I... I can't imagine the first period is exceptionally different. Um, I know Luke Richardson has been pleased with the starts for the most part for this team, but it's not like the Hawks are blowing teams away in the first period other than uh, that game against Florida. 
uh, from our buddy Leo in Albuquerque, who's in Chicago. Actually, yeah, he was at the game today. Well, welcome back to Chicago, Leo. Great game, tough loss. Is Bedard on the wing now? Uh, Bedard was centering the top line tonight. Um, again, it was Lucas Reichel moving up to that top line with Kurashev and uh, saw a lot of things from that line. From the 708 area code, it's our buddy Mike from Oaklawn. Thought we had some really good puck control, just didn't finish. And Mike from Oaklawn fights for Dr. Jim Greider, RIP. Yeah, it was Hockey Fights Cancer tonight. Very inspirational nights, very moving nights, and uh, just a, a great night to build camaraderie with humanity and just put everything into perspective and, and realize some of the battles that people are really going through that isn't about hockey. Um, but here we are on the post-game show breaking down this 3-2 to two loss. We've got more to get to. We've got some sound to get to as well as the Hawks fall to the Sabres 3-2. to two. And we'd like to hear from you still, 312-981-7200. Hawks fall to Buffalo 3-2. to two. This is the Blackhawks post-game show, 720 WGN. Center ice over the Sabre line, dropping at the left point, Felino. Two seconds on the power play. Felino now put it behind the net. Kurashev put it in front. They score! In front of the net, it was Taylor Radish deflecting the puck. Past the goaltender, Lukanen, and hit the back of the net and popped out quickly and then buried again by Foligno. But this is going to be Radish's goal, his third of the season, and the Hawks have tied the game at one. Our own John Weideman on the call. That was the Hawks' first goal. Taylor Radish on what looked like power play goal. It technically wasn't as the Buffalo Sabre player was coming right out of the box as he scored it, but some improvements from the Blackhawks power play tonight. They did get that goal on basically a power play, and then a man advantage in the third period definitely had some more structure. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 930. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. We've got Paul, who's leaving the UC, and Okay, here we go. Some Seth Jones issues from Paul. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you saw late in the game, Phillips made a nice diving uh, diving stab. There was an open net, and uh, Winger was coming down that left side, and, and Jones just made no contact at all, let him walk around. It turned into a premium scoring chance, but it's just time and time and time again where he steps out of the way, he wants to use the little poke check, and he just doesn't make body contact. And I'm just thinking, I don't even care the salary. I don't even know how serviceable this guy is as, as being uh, an NHL defenseman. I don't know what the heat maps are showing or if you guys are seeing some great stuff out of this guy. But uh, Phillips, great play by Phillips. Okay, I, I, I agree with the great play on Phillips. I thought he had a, an excellent shift in that third period, a great overall game. Seth Jones, 24 minutes out on the ice tonight, five shots, four of them were blocked. He's he's such a big factor defensively and just in so many other aspects. Defensively, yes. He doesn't do anything defensively, but get out of the way and try to poke at things. I I, I understand if you if you saw one instance on one play tonight, but I, I don't think that I generalizes all the games like. You know, last year he was what a minus thirty-four. It's like when when he's on the ice. Okay, but you you expect you expect him to have a people. you expect him to have a great plus-minus on last year's Hawks team. Not necessarily, but it's it's it, it hasn't translated at all. Now there there's some skill out there on the PP one, and he just doesn't do anything. His his shots aren't. There's nothing great with his shots. There's nothing. He's he's not a great passer. I'll give him. He's a very very good skater, but that's that's about it. 
I don't know, Paul. People are so quick to judge on Seth Jones, but I just feel like he's the, he's the best defenseman on this Hawks team, which on paper they have a tough time against. Right now. Say again? I'll take Korchinski right now today, not even like, hey, he's going to be better. I think Korchinski No, no, I, I can't agree with that. Maybe that Jones does and might have a little bit of IQ, but he's just too, too much getting out of the way of people and trying little pokes and – He's just on the ice, and guys are scoring too too often. Uh, I, I I can't go that far, Paul. I mean, not not Kevin Korczynski, not the nineteen year old that um, what two penalties today, uh, a couple of there are many mistakes over the past couple of games. Seth Jones just brings so much more to the table overall. He, he's the best defenseman on a, on a team that's really struggling for the past couple of years. I can't rely on plus minus numbers for a guy that. Uh, is on a team that had the third least points last season. It's just, I feel like he always gets this bad rap because of the contract. It's not his fault that he got paid for uh, this high-level contract from a GM that's not even here anymore. Yep, no, I, I understand, but I thought it was a great play by Phillips, and I'm just frustrated at the lack of contact. The guy's six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, man, and he just continuously gets out of the way of skaters coming down the wing. All right, Paul. Thank you very much for the call. Take, drive safe, you okay? Guys do, bye. Yep. All right, thanks. That's Paul. He's leaving the UC. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. Uh, I'm going to read one text quickly, and then i got to get to some sound from Nick Felino, who's always a great quote. Uh, Devin from Palos Hills wants to know what Philip Kurishev's presence is in the rebuild in the next three years. Philip Kurishev is not a restricted free agent until after next season. He's 24 years old now. So listen, if this... Incline continues with his game. He's a very important piece on this Blackhawks team in the future and in the near future. So I, I, I think he's a very important piece, and I think this is a very important year for him to show what he can bring to the Hawks for the next couple of years and hopefully even more years down the road. Nick Felino is always a great guy to talk in the dressing room after a win or a loss. Let's hear what he had to say tonight. Well, we got to play a full game, right? I don't think we had the, the, the start that we wanted. Um, you know, and I just don't think we understand how we have to compete each and every shift. It's it's some of the time right now, and that's the result we're getting. You know, we're we're trying to claw back late in games, and it looks like it looks good. Right? Almost, we almost score. We, but it's almost. It's 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 no good. You don't put points on the board. Uh, we we either have to find a way to get that into overtime, or or you know, win it by playing the right way. You know, it's it's that's the result you're going to get in this league when you don't play and respect how hard it is to win. Um, you know, we. We can't be okay with just these. Uh, sometimes we play well. Sometimes we do the right things. It's, that's winning habits, and we haven't built those enough. Is it tough to have only one win in this building? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I've been on the other side of it when you come in this building and you're hoping to get a win some nights. You know, I always, always come here and you know, I want to create that again. The fans deserve that. You know, they sell it out every night to watch us play, and it's a great building when we're when we're playing the right way and. We haven't gotten the results we need, and it's disappointing because uh, we want to make this a hard place. We talked about that at the beginning of the year, right? We want to make this a hard place to play, the place to play, and um, that hasn't been the case, and that has to change. I mean, we're we're digging a hole here. It's got to find a way out of it because this is this is awful. This sucks. But how do you build that consistency? You know, I think it's valuing what what wins, right? I know there's there's a tendency sometimes. It's not pretty, but you know, winning in this league actually isn't. You know, it feels good, but it's not pretty. So. I think that's where we have to get the mindset of, of how hard you have to work and sometimes how, how you know, I don't even know what the word is really, just the, 
the compete that you have to have, the sacrifices you have to make sometimes. You know, I want to go, I should change, put my linemate out in a better position, right? And, um, I got to get this puck out. I have to. Whatever it takes, claw, scratch, get it out, get it in. Same thing, right? So, um, and once we start having those kind of habits, those kind of mindsets, it's amazing how the game just starts to come to you. Nick Foligno expressing the frustration after a 3-2 loss against the Buffalo Sabres. We got some more sound to get to, but we got to get to another break. Hawks fall to the Sabres tonight at the United Center. This is the Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. Gaudreau gets free, comes out, takes a shot. The save was made. Here's Provorov with a chance. That one is in a crowd, and it's in for the score. Ivan Provorov back to Philly and to the back of the net as he gets the Blue Jackets Back to within one. Maybe he's not the guy to touch it last. I don't know, but he shot it into a crowd, and it found its way through. Either way, it counts. No matter who got it last in the Blue Jackets, they find themselves just down by one goal. Bob McGilligan of Columbus Blue Jackets Radio. That's our next game preview, which is sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. The Hawks are in Columbus for Black Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, to take on the Jackets. A 6 o'clock puck drop over in Ohio with a 5.30 pregame show. If you haven't heard, the Blue Jackets have lost their last nine games. They fell to the Philadelphia Flyers today 5-2. to two. So the Blue Jackets 4-11-4 as they host the Hawks on Wednesday. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres tonight, 3-2 to two from the United Center. Taylor Radish chatted with the media as well. Let's hear from him. Losing that game, but I mean, how tired are you guys getting of these moral victories? Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Your times of the game, I feel like we, we can dominate it, and there's there's games like that where we feel like we should walk out of there with a win, and we end up losing, and I'm getting point out of it, so it's it's frustrating, and we just got to find a way to pull a, um, a full 60 minutes together, and come out with points and wins at the end of it. What was working so well in the first, like, eight, ten minutes of the third period and then maybe slipped away a little bit? Yeah, we were, we were all over them. Even at the start of the second there, we had a great start in the opening shift and kind of just fed off of that and, yeah, led into the rest of the game. We we kind of dominated it. We had lots of chances, lots of shots. It, the puck didn't go in, but we just got to try to stay on them. And, yeah, one little mishap, it goes in the back of our net, and we just got to find ways to, to bounce back when things like that happen and um, not let these games slide away. Taylor Radish picking up his third goal of the season today as the Hawks fall to Buffalo 3-2. to One last text before we sign off in the 8-2-8. Next game will be interesting. A visiting team, rather visiting a team that now has a bad culture and could lose 10 in a row, which could be capitalized. I think the Hawks will get a win in Columbus. Well, let's hope so. 8-2-8. Again, the Hawks in Columbus on Wednesday, taking on the Jackets at 6 o'clock, 5.30 pregame show right here on 720 WGN. Blackhawks Hockey has been sponsored by Sitgo. When you start with Sitgo, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers. Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. And Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to all the help we got back at the WGN studios. Our production crew of Eli Burke and Colin McCarthy. Our engineer was the tireless Krista Flores. Here at the United Center, Jack Heinrich was our reporter. Nick Hepner spinning the dials and the play-by-play and color crew of John Wideman and Troy Murray. For everyone that I mentioned, I'm Joe Brand signing off. Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres tonight, 3-2 from the United Center. They suffer their fourth straight loss and will try to end the skid against a struggling Columbus Blue Jackets team on Wednesday. Don't forget, we do have Blackhawks live tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here on WGN Radio. Can't wait to talk to you then. Steve Ruxton has your news next after that. 
It's Bill Cunningham, the great American. Thanks for listening to Blackhawks Hockey here on 720 WGN. been listening to Chicago Blackhawks Hockey on Blackhawks Radio, 720 WGN, streaming on WGNRadio.com and smart devices everywhere.